was a way to give show respect to the audience and respect your own business. It was a way to protect it. Ladies and gentlemen, heels and faces, casual wrestling fans, and all you smart marks, I am Kayfabe AJ. And I'm Kayfabe Focus. And this is Kayfabe Avenue, and this is the spotlight of Jericho, as you can see by, you know, the many versions of Jericho throughout the years. So and plus we got the paymaker posse in the background. Yeah, so. you know, gotta rep the paymaker posse. But this week marks 30 years of Chris Jericho's 30 career. Years. 30 years, Craig. 30 years. <laughs> so yeah, 30 years of Chris Jericho's career. They're doing a lot of highlights this week on AEW. They're doing a actual tribute show to um, Chris Jericho, where he's actually facing Luther for the first time in America. So that's going to be, though, something to look forward to. And where where do we start? Where do we start? But I guess the very beginning, <laughs> I guess the very beginning. So Chris Jericho was born Christopher Keith Irving on November 9th, 1970. And Son of Ted Irving. Yes, son of Ted Irving, who was a hockey player for the New York Rangers at the time of his birth. Um, they're from a Canadian. Which, which, which would make Chris Jericho a New Yorker, kind of, though, wouldn't it? Well, no, Jericho is Jericho is definitely a New Yorker. Hmm. Yeah, no, Jericho is definitely a New Yorker. Um, I think at one point they even hailed him from like Long Island, New York, or something like that when he debuted in WWE, but um. So Jericho himself, his name was actually inspired by the album Walls of Jericho by the band Halloween. Um, He was going to go by some weird, stupid name. I forgot what it was. It was like uh, Chris something. It was definitely not Jericho. And they actually told him it was stupid, and he changed it on the fly and became Chris Chris, Jericho. Chris Thundertits. Chris Thundertits. I don't know about all that. Um. But who is Jericho? Jericho basically is a wrestler, a rock star, a podcaster, a reality TV personality. A game show host. A game show host, an author, an actor. A dad. A father, a champion. So, you know, a man of many hats, a a jack of all trades, Jericho definitely is. And his ring names say it all. He's gone by... Corazón de Leon, Lionheart, L- Leon de Oro, Leon Do, Super Liger, Y2J, the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller, the Alpha, the Man of a Thousand and Five Holds, the Pain Maker, the uh, best in the world at what he does, the Armbar. Demo God, the Million Viewer Man, and most importantly, La Champion, Champion. Chris Jericho. So... Wow, 30 years, and uh, those 30 years started in October 2nd, 1990. His career spanned um, the Indies in Canada, Japan, Mexico, uh, ECW, WCW, WWF, WWE, WWE, New Japan, Pro Wrestling, AEW. 
all all of the damn territories. Um, but he his first original start was in AWA, where he got his first intro to wrestling. Actually, being um, isn't that Jim he was in the Jim ring? Jim? He was in the ring crew. AWA. I don't. I don't know. I, I, you no, know. No, I'm thinking about something else. I'm sorry. No, AWA. That's later. That's later. Yeah, that's, later. That, that's definitely later. AWA is a promotion out in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, but the people who inspired Chris Jericho were some of our favorites throughout the years: Owen Hart, HBK, Bret Hart, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Those are the people that actually got him into wanting to wrestle. Uh, watching the AWA, and his first actual. Uh, like foot in the door of wrestling was in Keystone Wrestling Alliance and he was a part of the ring crew. So he was about 18, 19 years old at the time. And even though he pursued uh, wrestling and pursued all these other things, he actually did graduate from uh, college with a bachelor's in creative communications, which makes a lot of sense because he's, you know, if you want to tack another name on, to Chris Jericho, it should be like promo god. So, um, you know, creative communications, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so at age 19, he entered the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling, where he met his tag team partner, Lance Storm, on his first day. Together, they will form the Thrill Seekers, um, both trained by Ed Langley and Brad Young. And after a short two months, he made his in-ring debut at Moose Hall, that's not a joke on Canada, it's really called Moose Hall, <laughs> in uh, Pinocchio, so, Alberta, Canada. That's so, that's so Canadian. And guess guess what his ring name was at the time? Well, of all things in Canada, his name was Cowboy Chris Jericho. <laughs> I mean, he, had, he was only 19. I'll give him, you know, I'll give him the leeway for that. He ended up becoming one of the greats. How, how are you, you going to be a Canadian cowboy? Uh, that's my question. <laughs> How are you a Canadian cowboy? But draw, um, his, it's funny that you said draw, buddy, because his first match ended in a 10-minute ten, ten draw against Lance Storm, his tag team partner. His buddy? His buddy, his pal. So uh, during during this time he was in the indie circuit, he was touring with people that, once again, would become legends in the business. Uh, Lance Storm, Edge, Christian, Rhino, uh, among others, hitting the Canadian circuit, the Canadian NWA, um, and the C C R M W, you know, a lot of indie prom promotions across uh, Canada, as well as in '91, um, a year after he was introduced to wrestling and started his first actual match matchups, he was uh, traveling Japan with Lance with Lance Storm at uh, front. Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. From 92 to 95, he hit Mexico and was in CML, facing people like Ultimo Dragon, another legend, just rubbing, rubbing shoulders with legends throughout his entire career, pretty much. All of them. Um, he had an 11-month reign as the NWA middleweight champion in December 1993. In 94, he was a part of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was Jim, Jim Cornette's uh, promotion the controversial Jim Cornette, um, you know, facing the most notable uh, tag team of Rock and Roll Express, which to this day is still rocking. They're, They're still, still rolling. There. They're still out there. Still tag team champions somewhere. Yeah, giving out Canadian destroyers. 
So um, from 94 to 96, he's uh, at Wrestling and Romance Japan, War. He became the War International Junior Heavyweight Champion in 95. He he competed in uh, the Super Junior Cup. You know, he ended up losing it, but that's still a good notch in history. The Super Juniors still have their tournaments in Japan. That's something that still happens. Um, he was the international junior heavyweight tag team with uh, the partner Ghetto, and they were the inaugural international junior heavy uh, tag team champion. So, you know, uh, it won't be the first the first thing of you know many that he does. And in Japan, um, I mean, in Japan general, in Japan, just everywhere, he's like a man of many first throughout his career. But he's will an international man of wrestling. Pretty much, pretty much, he's the Austin Powers of wrestling. Is what you're you're pretty much trying to say. So, um, we start getting, you know, our first like introduction, pretty much in America to Chris Jericho through ECW in 1995 and 1996. Um, in his tenure through ECW, he became the ECW TV champion in '96. Uh, during his uh, run there, he faced people like Taz, Sabu, RVD. Uh, Mick Foley, who was Cactus Jack at the time, uh, Shane Douglas, the franchise, uh, Two Cold Scorpio, you know, all legends. This guy's rubbing shoulders with legends in the beginning of their career. So, you know, you want to go back and check these highlights, most of them on the WWE Network. Definitely go back and check these matches. Um, yeah, his, <laughs> his time at ECW pretty much gave him the mainstream attention that he was kind of seeking. He got the attention of WCW. But before we move on to WCW, do you have any moments that stand out to you in ECW at all? I remember his match against Rey Mysterio. That was one of the greatest matches of top two high flyers when they were young that anybody should probably look at. In ECW? Yeah, I mean, people kind of forget that Rey went through there too. Um all everybody basically went through there. Yeah, I mean, WCW just really stole half of ECW and built their their uh, you know mid card and lower card division. Chris Jericho was one of those people that made the exodus to uh, WCW from ECW, along with the likes like Perry Saturn, Chris Benoit, uh, Eddie Guerrero, among uh, others. So, um, I, 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 um, that that Super Junior Cup that she was talking about, I think he faced the Pegasus Kid. He he ended up losing to the Pegasus Kid, which was uh, Chris Benoit. Yeah, so um, that's um, you know another story for another day. Chris Benoit is another person who probably should get a spotlight. A lot a long ten year career as well, um, despite the tra- tragedy. Um, so I don't really have too many memories personally of the ECW version of Chris Jericho, but WCW. That's when I first got my my first glimpse of Chris Jericho. And um, during his WCW run, well, he debuted August 26, 1996 on Nitro. And during his run, he became a WCW Cruiserweight Champion four times and a WCW TV Champ one time. Um, My biggest memories of Chris Jericho in WCW has to be the the list of 1,005 holds, where he just kept repeating armbar, um, his his uh, Goldberg callouts, leading to him getting eventually just squashed by Goldberg, 
what are some memories of of him in WCW that you re- that you like remember and cherish? The Jericho Holics and Ralphus, of course, which uh, um, rest in peace to Ralphus. He died a couple years ago. Um, his his match with Juju Guerrero that you know conceived MJF basically. Um, <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, all his pop references that he used to do always that you know that always popped the crowd and everything. Um, What's that? Well, another thing that stood out to me in WCW that I love that that segment when um, he felt like it was co- conspiracy that they took his title away oh, from yeah. him. And then he went to the, he went to like Capitol Hill and then, started protesting and campaigning. He's so like, I, I am the real uh, champion. Um. So Chris Jericho was still still very young, but he you know was around the Japanese circuit. He already toured Mexico, did all this. By the time he hit already. WCW. And I feel like this was just WCW was enough, like what he needed to get that main shine from WWF and to get that that call up to WWF and where he really, you know, impacted his and like cemented the most of his career. That's where the bulk is his career. But WCW Jericho definitely has a, a bunch of hilarious moments, great matches. He was like you know, going crazy with Dean Malenko, going crazy with Benoit, Perry Eddie, Saturn. Perry. Um, you know, the mid-card division of WCW Ray. at that time would have... Billy Kidman. Billy Kidman, oh, man. Oh, my God. Um, you know what? We got to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried to rewatch we old WCW, but I, I couldn't because of the the, the main matches. event. But maybe I'll go back and watch all these uh, moments with Jericho, Eddie, and all these guys that actually made WCW... Um, watchable in in 2020 so um yeah so those were his highlights as far as um wcw goes and um in between wcw he ended up going to new japan um well during his stint of wcw he went to new japan new japan at that time had a cross promotion with wcw so he spent like maybe a year over there got called back to wcw then eventually um, debuted for WWF in uh, August 9, 1999. So what do you remember about his debut? I remember the countdown clock. The countdown clock. To this day, the countdown clock is probably one of the most historic debuts in WWE or probably even wrestling Ever. history. Ever. They, Ever. they took, what, maybe like six months around there, you know, Different segments on Raw, you'll see the cl- the timer counting down, and then, you know, you couldn't you kind of forget about the clock after a while, and then the next thing you know, it's counting down, right in the middle of a Rock promo, Chris Jericho debuts, interrupting the Rock, in probably what what formed one of the greatest promo segments of a debut, and like the Rock rebuttaling. Chris Jericho makes this long speech. He's here to save. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever be the same. He he makes <laughs> he makes this long speech about saving the WWF. That he's a rock star. He's the Millennium Man, and the Rock just says, "Who? Are you? Who 
are you Rudy Pooh? <laughs> Inter coming out here and interrupting the great one. It doesn't matter who you are. And the rest is history. The Rock would be somebody that Chris Jericho would definitely spar with, tag team on people with in his career. Def we just finished watching a, a promo. Jimmy Jack Jericho with the iron lung. With the iron lung and just awesome promos through his entire WWE, WWF career. And The Rock was definitely somebody that he, you know, meshed well with and, re, you know, rebounded, uh, you know, verbiage against. They they definitely had a great chemistry together, great moments. So um, let's, go, let's go through his accomplishments. His WWE is basically the home to the majority of his career. The, the first major thing he did in his career was his feud with China for the Intercontinental Championship. And um, this, this feud would go back and forth between them, eventually involve Hardcore Holly. He would win the Intercontinental Championship twice during this rivalry. So what are, you, what are your personal highlights of China and this feud between them? I think China... And Chris Jericho for the IC title, you know, it was one of those great feuds in history. And, you know, and it involved lots and lots of other people from what I remember other than uh, Hardcore Holly as well. I think it also included... Uh, it, well, it, had, it, had, at one point. it had Jeff Jarrett. Like, they were feuding with other people defending the title because at one but, point, but, yeah, but main, they ended up being co-champions. But, but the main thing was that they was, it, was, it was always, always focused on Chris Jericho and China. Yeah, so, you know, Jericho's first big rivalry in the WWE was with a woman, and at that time, that was unheard of, and, you know, it was probably humbling. For, well, it was humbling for him. He he speaks about it in many of his books. Like I said, he's an author as well. Um, so he he talks about his, his uh, time with China, and he really didn't get along with her. She was, like, she was big-headed. She was, you know... Backed by Triple H and D-Generation X, and those guys were, like, the top of the card in WWF at the time. Trump so she had a lot of ego, a lot of political pool, like you just said. And, you know, it was a rough time for him. I remember a point they actually had probably the greatest match of her career one-on-one um, -on -one against each other. And Vince Matt told him to, you know, do what you do and treat her like you would a, a normal person. Like, so he, he gave her a great match. She ended up with a little shiner and he ended up getting called green as shit <laughs> by Vince McMahon. He got tore down. He got, you know, ridiculed behind the scenes. He was, you know, the politics was catching up um, as far as China goes. It was definitely the beginning of a rough patch. His debut was really big against The Rock, and then over the next couple of months, it would kind of decline, and he would, you know, end up just doing random things. The next big uh, thing in his career was the triple threat match. Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, WrestleMania 2000, winning his first ever European championship. Now, at this time, Kurt Angle was a double champion. He was an IC tight champion and the European champion within this match. Benoit pins Kurt up, uh, no, pins Jericho, wins the IC title. Jericho pins Benoit and wins the European title. Kurt Angle never loses. 
What do you remember about this match, WrestleMania in 2000? I remember that it was a great fucking match. The, I mean, it was basically two matches, you know. In first, one. At first you get the European, then you get the Intercontinental Championship. And, you know, it it goes to show you the, the, the amount of work, workhorses that you had at the, in WWE at the time. Because you had Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, and Chris Jericho. Like, I remember. In their prime, like. I rem- I remember, oh my god! I, I remember they had like a, a spot on the top rope when they did like uh, like a double um, backdrop of the top rope, and that it was just like so iconic. The funny thing, Chris Jericho is not a fan of this match. He he felt it was it was one of his worst matches at that time. He's not proud of that match. And honestly, I remember this match for being one of my highlights of WrestleMania 2000, outside of the. Uh, Dudley Boys, Hardy's Edge and Christian table table match that they had, um, other than a ladder match or what it ended up being a TLC match before it was officially branded. But outside of that, my highlight of WrestleMania was that triple threat match between Chris Jericho, Benoit, and Kurt. So it's crazy to to think that he was such a criticizer of his own work that something that us as the fans appreciated as a great high quality classic. He felt was horseshit. Bull <laughs> crap, man. So, a few months down the line, we would get Triple H versus Chris Jericho on an episode of Monday Night Raw, where Chris Jericho actually beat him for the world cha- uh, the WWF championship, and the the fans went nuts. Yeah, I was hyped that night. I, yo. I, I was, was super so hyped. hyped. I, I couldn't believe I that, was, he actually, yo, that he actually that he actually won. So yo, I was like, but at the time, Triple H was had the iron shovel, the golden shovel, and like it's they bad. they reversed the decision, and that is his actual first title reign. But it was scratched from the history books, so WWE doesn't officially recognize Chris Jericho's first ever world championship. Which they definitely should. Because he won that shit clean. He he sure did. But it was a lot of controversy. That was the McMahon-Helmsley era. And they they forced Errol Hebner to to reverse his decision and then fired him right afterwards for doing it. So after that, the the next highlight was his fourth reign as the Intercontinental Champion. And this was him versus Benoit, Royal Rumble 2001. This is a match, a ladder match. And this is a match that when people ask me, what are your top maybe five, six matches of all time? This is one of the matches that I always personally shout out. You can go on KFABAV, a Facebook group, whenever that question has been asked, that's one of the, the matches that I always put down. Go back and watch that. Royal Rumble 2001 ladder match. These guys are were the top of technical wrestling in in wrestling period at that time. Chris Benoit and Jericho they showed how you can have a technical hard hitting match with a ladder without doing all the uh, what they say high spot the I monkey. Mean, I mean, let's not let's not the spot monkey. Let's not let's not say that because Chris Benoit took a huge. I mean, he does suicide. I mean, that was he he. That, that was the cause. Let's, let's be like that. I mean, yeah, I mean. At the end of the day, that was that was Chris Benoit's move. He used to do diving headbutts all the time. But, I mean, nobody told him to do it off a ladder. <laughs> it 
but great match. Go watch that. This was his fourth Intercontinental title reign and one of my favorite matches um, of in, in history and um, Chris Jericho's involved. Then his first tag team title, ironically, was against uh, was with Chris Benoit. They won him in a um, in a gauntlet match at what was it? Judgment Day, the, the Judgment Day pay per view two thousand one. This is also one of my favorite like obscure tag teams, like impromptu tag teams that that had a short run but had an amazing like set of matches. The gauntlet match they proved that you know. They were the best because they fought almost every tag team in the WWF at that point. Then they ended up winning the titles. They uh, go on to have another one of my favorite matches of all time, TLC3, which was on SmackDown. Chris Jericho ended up holding his own for his team. Chris Benoit was injured, ends up coming back later on in the match, injured and all. They ended up winning, the, uh, retaining the titles. Ended up having a great uh, rivalry against the two-man power trip of Stone Cold and uh, Triple H. This was a great uh, little spot in Jericho's history that I really loved. I wish that tag team would have went a little further. I think him and Chris Benoit had amazing chemistry. I think I think they had two finishes that connected well together as a double team. Ooh, the 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 lion tamer, the walls okay. of Jericho crossface. Yeah. We, we actually used to do that in when we used to play <laughs> wrestling in the fucking park. Um, but after that uh, tag team run, he ended up winning the WCW title versus The Rock. This was his actual first recognized championship reign, winning the WCW title against during, The Rock. During the Invasion storyline. During the Invasion, which WWF bought WCW. So this was a WCW t- title recognized in WWE. He ends up going back and forth with The Rock with that title. Um, he ends up winning a second tag team title, ironically, with The Rock. This was short-lived and ended up leading to him and The Rock, along with Kurt Angle and Stone Cold, facing each other in a series of matches at Vengeance 2001, leading to Chris Jericho becoming the first ever undisputed heavyweight <laughs> champion unifying the WCW title and the WWF title. The first um, undisputed champion. So just to be clear, there's been an undisputed championship, an actual title called the undisputed championship, but there has only been one undisputed champion in the history of wrestling, and it is Chris Jericho, WWF and WCW champion. Um any other undisputed championship after him? Is it really undisputed? You can't really say that anymore. Yeah. Because there's there's a lot of promotions out there that have a world title now, so they're not really dis- well, undisputed. And as far as WWF and and the main top of wrestling, the 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 big sh- promotions in wrestling, um, I won't really count uh, the indie circuits, you know, at at this point, um, as far as undisputed champions. So um, next up, we have him as undisputed champion, leading going against Triple H at WrestleMania 19. I mean, excuse me, WrestleMania 18. And they stole the show with that match. They definitely stole the show. Um, 
it this wasn't highlighted. They didn't have t- uh, you know major titles changes or anything like that. He didn't win the title, but WrestleMania 17 after WrestleMania 2000, um, his first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 2000. WrestleMania 17, top to bottom, amazing. But he had an amazing match um, against Will and Regal. Have to go check that out. Um, hard-hitting, another one of my favorite uh, WrestleMania matches. Uh, but at WrestleMania 19, he's going against Triple H, the returning Triple H from injury. He had missed the invasion angle. This time... The person that he used to berate and and cut the most greatest promos of all time against, Stephanie McMahon was actually in his corner. Stephanie was the second woman in his career that would kind of skyrocket him and uh you know propel him up the card, leading to him actually winning you know the undisputed championship and you know being that top guy for WWE. So uh, fortunately, he ends up losing to Triple H. Course. You know, uh, but becoming the first ever undisputed champion and then making him the fourth Grand Slam champion in the original format, meaning before the draft. So uh, before there were two world championships in the WWE. The next up was a fifth IC title run uh, reign against RVD. Then he has a, a third tag team title run with Christian. Now, his partnership with Christian, I did like these two mesh well together. Um, very funny, and you know, both of them guys were road dogs. Especially when they born as Trish Stratus and, and everything. Yep. So um, that's a little bit more down the line. But the next Mania match was Jericho versus HBK at WrestleMania 19. What do you remember about this match? I remember Jericho guys asking why HBK. <laughs> This, this, uh, well, he ended up losing to HBK, but the storytelling of this match, this is a match that you actually have to go back and just appreciate, like for ring psychology, for technical ability, for showmanship, all of that. Like, you think Chris Jericho at the end is humbling himself and uh, praising HBK and then ends up kicking him in the nuts. And, you know, solidify himself as a heel. Chris Jericho is one of those guys that he can flip the script on people. He can be a heel. He can be a face. And no matter what he's doing, no matter what he's doing, we love him for it. Um, so, yeah, he ends up with the third tag team title. Christian ends up with Jericho versus HBK Mania 19. Ends up winning his sixth Intercontinental Championship again. Winning against RVD October 27-02. Then that leads to what you were uh, alluding to before, the Trish Stratus and Lita situation where <laughs> Chris Jericho and Christian end up making a little wager for $1 Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> Who can sleep with their girl first? So... Chris was with Trish, and um, Christian was talking to Lita, and he ends up falling in love with Trish Stratus. And then next thing you know, Christian turned on uh, Jericho, and Trish Stratus was now messing with Christian. So that was the big story behind their feud. Great matchup, great story. It's definitely a good uh, WrestleMania moment. Um, (laughs) Definitely go back and check it out. That shit was hilarious. Um, Canadian, one dollar Canadian. 
Then we have <laughs> that was WrestleMania 20. Then we have his seventh Intercontinental title reign, which is the record breaker at this point, beating Jeff Jarrett's old record in 1999. He uh, beat he attained the record beating Christian in Unforgiven 2004. Same year, like I said, Chris Jericho is a man of many firsts. He was in the first ever Elimination Chamber this year. He was the creator and involved in the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21. The Money in the Bank ladder match will go on to be a mainstay of WrestleMania. We will probably a staple for sure of WrestleMania. Um, I think they have maybe six consecutive years um, of uh, Money in the Banks on WrestleMania, which was the concept was pretty much the briefcase hangs above the ring. You get the ladder, you grab the briefcase. The person who wins gets a contract that you could cash in anytime, any place against any champion of your choosing. So that concept ended up becoming it, uh, its own pay-per-view in Money in the Bank, and we see it every year. So kudos to Chris Jericho. Even though he's not in WWE anymore, he still has a legacy behind every year. <laughs> so um, after WrestleMania... He's in a few with Cena. He has the You're Fired match, August 22nd of 2005. Now, my recollection of this was him getting tossed, um, like getting carried away up the Titantron and screaming at Cena and like pretty much like begging to not get fired. Um, This would be Chris Jericho's first hiatus of many but during this time, yeah, during this time, he became the author. He started working for VH1, doing the best week ever and all these highlight shows. Um, he started hosting shows. He started Fozzie. doing his band, Fozzy, and touring with them. Uh, Fozzy, at that point, was just a cover band with, um, they all had gimmick names and they dressed like 70s, 80s rock stars and Super over the top. Over the years, Fozzie would actually become become a little a legitimate band and create their own music. And one of their biggest hits is Chris Jericho's Judas, which is his music in AEW that he comes out to. The fans sing him to the ring. The only the only champion I know that gets sung to the ring every time. Like his reign was that's amazing. Not, that's not HBK. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so he had a long stint. He was gone for two years and change. Coming back September 24, 2007, with the Raw Save Us promos. What do you remember about the Save Us promos? I remember wondering who is coming back and what is this hacker storyline that we're getting and everything. So it was like a Matrix, like, uh, computer language dropping from the screen, blue and uh, white lettering. Every week, it'll you know the coding a switch ended up being save us two two two. You ended up uh, I, this this caused people to do like a massive like put, a riddle search and and clue hunt, and people were trying to solve clues every week. This became a he he became the WWE's Riddler. For weeks before his debut, and they figured out that it was his 
Fate. The code was his um debut of um his first. It was, in Raw. it was his Raw debut uh, against The Rock, and then it ended up spelling Save Us Y2J, and um, everybody already figured it out. So everybody was like, Y2J, Y2J. So during during this return, he changed up his look, shortened his hair, the first glittery jacket with the lights that light up in the dark. Um, this is like the first major gimmick change one of many throughout his career. Chris Jericho is a chameleon. He can change with the times. He evolves with any situation. So this was the first of that. It. It. So uh, we move on to his eighth Intercontinental title reign, March 10, 2008 versus Jeff Hardy. And then down the line, we get Suit Jericho, World champion suits Jericho. The best in the world at what I do because I'm going to talk slow and use big <laughs> words. And hopefully the Miz later on will eventually steal my whole swagger and everything. <laughs> I, the Miz was definitely, ins- it definitely inspired by uh, Chris Jericho's heel work during that time for sure. But another heel, another heel turn, another gimmick change. Suit Jericho was the man like this was this was he was the king of his world. during his undisputed championship run and his wcw championship run i don't feel like he was taken serious as a legitimate world champion we had stone cold we had the rock we had triple h taker kurt we had all these guys in in huge uh positions and his reign wasn't taken as serious chris jericho in the suit talking slow and cutting his promos and getting people on their last nerve. He actually solidified himself as that top contender, the main the main event. And this reign was probably the first time that actually everyone appreciated him as champion. Um, during this time as Suit Jericho, he would win his third and fourth uh, world championship reigns. Um, the second... The first one being in the championship scramble match, which another f- first and was it that the same championship scramble match? No, I don't think about something else. <laughs> there was a, like two more uh, championship scramble matches after that, but we need more of that. I miss I miss those no, kind of gimmick matches. Maybe he should bring that to AEW. Um, the second one was at uh, the, well, the fourth reign he he won at Raw 800 against Batista in the steel cage match. I, def- I remember that. That was actually a great match. Um, next highlight was Mania 25. Y2J versus the legends of Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat with Mickey Rourke. What do you remember about this match? I remember Ricky the Dragon Steamboat whipping his ass. <laughs> he ended up winning that match. What are you talking about? But, yo, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was whipping his ass. Nah. He ended up making Ricky the Dragon have one of his best matches in fucking like 20 years. Not only that, brought Ricky the Dragon Steam out of retirement, ended up having a rivalry with him and having the probably the best one-on-ones with someone who was clearly in like their 40s or fit no their 50s or 60s yeah. at that time. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, you know, was in WrestleMania 3. So imagine at this point is WrestleMania 25. 
And 20, 22 years later, he's fighting Chris Jericho in his prime. So what I remember from this was going in, Mickey Rourke had a movie out called The Wrestler. So the, the actual story going in was Chris Jericho was going to actually fight Mickey Rourke at WrestleMania. But since he's an actor and his agents were concerned in, in insurance issues, they actually brought in the legends to defend Mickey Rourke over the weeks. And that led to him, uh, you know, fighting and beating all of them. But the the big WrestleMania moment that came out that match was Mickey Rourke punching the shit out of Chris Jericho after that. Yeah, that's definitely a highlight. <laughs> um, we move that was on. Also funny too. Yeah, it was it was definitely funny. Chris, Chris Jericho does serious, does funny, does 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 it all. Seriously, does it all. We move on to his ninth. Intercontinental title run versus Mysterio at Extreme Rules Online. And this ninth reign, this record still stands to this day. From 2009 to 2020, no one has achieved nine Intercontinental title runs. The only person who has come close is The Miz with, I believe, either seven or eight uh, championship reigns, Intercontinental championship reigns. So, just another notch to the legendary career that is Chris Jericho. Next up, we have Y2J, Chris Jericho, and Edge winning the unified tag team titles. Edge ends up getting injured uh, legitimately and getting replaced by the Big Show, uh, and they formed the tag team of Jericho. Um, and then they switched titles with, uh, I forgot who it was. But that's Miz, Show Miz. Yeah, and so it went back to Jer- Jarek's show again. I think it was like it was like they were playing hot potato. No, so what happened? Pretty much, uh, Y2J ended up kind of like moving on to the world championship, and Miz kind of replaced Jericho in that role in Jarek's show, and it became I think Show Miz. Yeah, Show Miz. Show Miz. So, you know. Stemming from the beginning of that rival, that that unified tag team title win, the during during the promo replacing Edge, he actually berated Edge for even getting injured. So this led to um, the Elimination Chamber 2010 and his fifth World Championship versus uh, his fifth World Championship, and then eventually fighting Edge at WrestleMania 26, culminating from this unified tag team storyline. So um, you got any highlights about WrestleMania 26 and his storyline with Edge? Honestly, I don't think I've seen that one. I think I was on the hiatus from wrestling at that time. So my my thought on, on, this, on this WrestleMania, I actually thought Chris Jericho was going to lose going in. Edge being the face coming back after returning from injury. Chris Jericho actually pulled off the win. I mean, it didn't last long. He he lost it a week later to Jack Swagger after Jack Swagger cashed in the money in the bank on him. So, which ironically is the money in the bank <laughs> that he created. Um, it was cashed on him and he ended up losing the, the world title a week later. But yeah, I thought he was going to lose going into that mania. Then we have a, a brief tag team with Miz. People probably don't even realize that. Jeremy is. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. And then um, in September 27, 2010, Orton ends up punting Chris Jericho 
to explain his the departure. And this was the last time in history that Chris Jericho would be uh, full-time nonstop. Um, he will re-debut two years later as Silent Chris Jericho. What do you remember about Silent Jericho? <laughs> this man trolled the crowd for a month straight. Will come out, act like he's going to say something, go shh, and then leave. Just straight up leave the fans hanging, and we've been waiting a month for this guy to speak on his return. This He's the ultimate troll. I swear, he is the ultimate troll. So um, <laughs> this leads into him switching his gimmick again after being signed in Jericho. He becomes the best in the world at what he does. And this leads to WrestleMania 28 versus CM Punk. Were you watching uh, at that point? Do you remember CM Punk versus Chris Jericho? Was it, was it the CM Drunk storyline? Or was it... This nah, was the this was the storyline of um this was the storyline that he was saying his father was a drunk and he has a smashing the yeah. li liquor bottle on CM yeah. Punk's head and then, he, and, then he, and then he slips on it yeah he just slipped and busts his ass on wrong yeah and then, and then they try to put him in that say that CM Punk got drunk at a fish and chip spot too <laughs> yeah funny. yeah so that was that was actually the CM drunk storyline. Because he was trying to say that he was going to inherit his father's uh, transgressions or whatever the case may be. But this was during the summer of Punk. This was during that big championship era of Punk. So Chris Jericho helping put him over because the storyline between them was Chris Jericho was the best in the world of what he does. And CM Punk was the best in the world. So Chris Jericho took offense to that while he was away. And his the catalyst for him returning was to take CM Punk down that notch and put some respect on Chris Jericho's name. So we have a few months of matches, and then we have more Fozzie disappearances. Like I said, he wouldn't be full-time uh, again with WWF, uh, WWE at this point. He will return again January 27, 2013. Uh, after five month hiatus, and this will lead to Fandango versus Jericho Mania 29. What do you remember about this? This was the most useless put over match of all time. The most. But at least the Fandango got over. The Fandango it, dance, it, right? It was, it, it was, it was, it was the first case of the dirty Dango. This this match, it was it was the most useless put over of somebody in history because it didn't go anywhere. They instantly started burying Fandango months later. But this is a testament to the person that Chris Jericho is. He's willing to put the younger talent over. All Jericho really wants is something to sink his teeth in, something to be creative, something to have fun with while he's wrestling. So while it was a useless put over, you got to you know tip your hat off that he would even put somebody over like Fandango, who's at that point, Fresh. He was like maybe a month, two months in to his career at that point with WWE. So after that, he leaves, he goes, he comes back, and he becomes House Show Jericho, which was a period of time he literally had like a year contract, but he will only do appearances 
on house shows. No Raws, no SmackDowns, no pay-per-views. So literally the people who showed up to these small events were getting treated to Jericho. Um, <clears throat> after Wasn't this around the time he got suspended for kicking the Brazilian flag? Yeah, um, he ends up, yeah, he did get suspended for like two uh, a month and change. He's super heel. Like, <laughs> who would have knew the country would have took so much offense that he would have got locked up and, you know, they would have they banned him for a month. <clears throat> but anyways, he comes back uh, January 4th, 2016. He does a semi-full-time schedule, and... Um, this leads to Styles versus Chris Jericho at Mania 32. They had a little tag team bout. It was Y2AJ for like a week. For like a week. They, they end they, up... They even had shirts and then for no reason because they broke they broke up the same thing they debuted the shirts. Oh, yeah. They, they did break up the... It's like, well, yo, you didn't even give the chance to, to, for the shirts to sell. So, <laughs> um, my thought about AJ Styles Jericho... Um, Mania 32 was, did AJ Styles lose to Jericho? I was actually surprised he he, he um, won that one. I thought they would have put Styles over. That was Styles' first ever WrestleMania, stemming off of his, like, 50-something minute debut in the Royal Rumble. So I thought they were going to, like, pull the trigger on give, and give uh, AJ Styles his first ever win at Mania. I guess they didn't want that. They didn't want none. I guess they didn't want to uh, – give AJ too much too soon. But after that, we will get another gimmick change to the stupid idiots and the list of Jericho. This will lead to Kevin Owens and him tagging, him being uh, the United oh, States right. champion, uh, Owens being the, uh, the universal champion, their best friends. This was probably the best storyline in WWE that entire year, culminated at a match at WrestleMania 33. Kevin Owens had to drop the title to freaking Goldberg of all freaking people, and then their match wasn't even close to the main event. Like, they didn't give Jericho justice. They didn't give Kevin Owens justice. Their storyline was the best that year. Should have had the title on the line. Should have been for the Universal Championship. They, they dropped the ball, and... This actually was the catalyst for Jericho to start seeking other options, to start looking for other avenues to be creative and different promotions. So that was Kev that was Chris Jericho's last WrestleMania. He would then, a year later, go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh -oh. November 5th, 2017, as the alpha Chris Jericho which will culminate in a match with Kenny Omega Kenny at Wrestle Kenny? Kingdom 12. I know you have a lot to say about Wrestle Kingdom 12, at least, right? What do you remember about Wrestle Kingdom 12, Chris I Jericho, Omega? I remember everything. <laughs> I remember Chris Jericho jumping um, Kenny Omega after the match with Okada and, you know, basically ultimate team in the match with Wrestle Kingdom and everything. You know, it was a crazy thing because nobody thought that Chris Jericho would automatically just show up in New Japan Pro Wrestling at any point in time. So, 
you know, it was it was like a big page turned up for everybody. And then, you know, it gave a lot of eyes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Not only that, we got to look at the context of where New Japan Pro Wrestling was at this point. They had the Bullet Club. They had the Elite. Um, before AEW existed, New Japan had all these guys that would revolutionize the business together. Chris Jericho jumping to New Japan after fee- feeling like creatively stifled in WWE. Just getting that, it was just to dip his feet into something, you know? He ended up loving it and getting that creative boost. And he realized there's a whole world of wrestling. He's literally said it on his podcast um, multiple times that he finally woke up. Like, all these years he thought, you know, WWF after um, owning WCW and pretty much killing the business competitively, that there was really nothing... Uh, besides WWE, once he went to New Japan, it opened his eyes, and it will be the catalyst for the rest of um, his career going forward. Um, so that match was actually a fucking classic. You have to go out your way to see Kenny Omega versus Y2J. That's this is this is top player. notch Kenny Omega. This is Omega his prime. This is the Omega that people wish were was it was in AEW right now. Go out your way to see it. His next feud in New Japan was for the IWGP IC title at Dominion 2018 against NATO, which he ends up winning. So technically, Chris Jericho is a 10-time Intercontinental Champion, but of course, WWE is not going to recognize a New Japan Championship. And speaking of WWE not recognizing a New Japan Champion, what besides the Kevin Owens WrestleMania thing, Chris Jericho actually pitched to Vince McMahon. I'm the Intercontinental Champion of New Japan. Why don't we have a cross promotional thing at WrestleMania? Your Intercontinental Champion versus me. It'll be good for both of us. Vince shut that down completely, and you know wasn't open to it at all. That rang a bell. Oh, pal, that's not good shit. Yeah, that rang that rang a bell in Chris Jericho's head, and. You know, next thing you know, his ties with WWE kind of split after that. He did one kind of one-off appearance and then, and at a reunion. And then asked if um, they could put NXT on the Cruiser Jericho, and they said no. Yeah, we, we didn't get to that yet. That's two notches after. But we uh, have, after Dominion, we have him against NATO at Wrestle Kingdom 13, a year after his debut in New Japan. Um, he actually lost to NATO. NATO will go on to become a double champion uh, after beating Chris Jericho for that uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. But I think he actually boosted NATO. I think he's actually a reason why NATO even won the the Gold Rush tournament and became a double champ to begin with. So another great rivalry. You want to go out your way. Great promos. Um, in the middle of that rivalry was also him feuding with Evil too. Oh yeah, I forgot about his his feud with Evil. Yeah. So and, he did and, he did good things in New Japan. He wasn't there all the time, but when he showed up, his appearances actually mattered. And you know, it was the talk of the wrestling world at that time. So the next thing up was September first, two thousand eighteen. We have a mystery person at the end of a match. Pop up in mask. He looks like Pentagon. Is Pentagon Jr. 
pulls off his mask is Chris Jericho at all out at um all in actually all in the first ever event that Cody the Young Bucks put together this was the catalyst for AW's creation basically they told Cody Rhodes you you can you guys cannot sell out being indie people you guys cannot sell out a, a 10,000 seat uh, stadium Cody Rhodes took him up on that challenge along with the Young Bucks and the rest of the elite they made this amazing show. Chris Jericho added his his, his historic uh, presence to the show, and the rest is history. Uh, the next month, we have the creation of the Cruiser Jericho, like uh, Focus mentioned, where he had people from all promotions. We had Impact. We had um, Ring of Honor. We had New Japan a few people who dabble in New Japan. He reached out to WWE to have NXT stars. Vince refused. And Vince's refusal to, you know, create with Chris Jericho would eventually lead to January 8th, 2019, the creation of All Elite Wrestling. Chris Jericho comes out and solidifies the company as the first major star of the brand, what do you remember about that? I remember uh, WWE had a show with Jacksonville. <laughs> they decided to announce the new wrestling show in, in Jacksonville right there when Vince was in town. Um, <laughs> I remember that. And there was a whole bunch of fireworks and everything. And, you know... Do you remember the funny story that came out of that night? So, basically, everyone went to the AEW rally. They got the AEW shirts and merch. Then they went down the block to the WWE show. And half of them were getting banned for wearing AEW gear at a WWE event. So, that's not only the start of AEW, but... The start of the pettiness with WWE and competition in wrestling again. Um, Chris Jericho is the highest paid wrestler in AEW. He deserves it. He definitely is a big part of the creation of that company. Without Jericho, I'm pretty sure that company wouldn't exist in the way it does now with the amount of fans and the amount of you know, prestige that that's getting put into AEW at this point. He gives it that it so factor. Seven months later, we have All Out, August 31st, 2019, and we have Chris Jericho becoming the first ever AEW world champion. Le champion. Finally crowning himself. Le champion. Le champion. Now, what can we say about Chris Jericho in AEW? What are your favorite highlights of Jericho in AEW? I think one of my favorite highlights in Jericho is all the promos, man. Like, anytime he gets on a microphone, it's just pure gold. You know, whether it's with Santana Ortiz or Sammy Guevara or Matt Hardy, it's always funny with them. You know, or even feuding with, with Vanguard One. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jericho 
the first AEW champion. He he, the highest paid wrestler in the company. He could easily be only rubbing shoulders with the top guys. He's putting people over like Jungle Boy. He's putting people over like Orange Cassidy. He's putting people over like Luther. Uh, tomorrow night on Thirty Years of Jericho. Uh, AEW Dynamite. He's he's still in that mindset at forty nine. He's still in that mindset that I can go, I can put over the new generation, and I can still contribute to this business. Don't forget Chris Jericho still has that rematch that he never got for the AEW championship. So who knows? We might add yet another championship reign to Chris Jericho's long legacy. So before we wrap up the show, I want to run down the list of accomplishments throughout his entire career. The list of Jericho accomplishments? The list of Jericho. So, one-time AEW champ, one-time CRMW and NAHWC champion, two-time CRMW North American Tag Champions with Last Storm. Armbar. One-time CMLL Midway Champion. One-time ECW TV Champion. One-time IWA Champion. One-time New Japan Intercontinental Champion. Um, Four-time WCW Cruiserweight Champion. One-time WCW Champion. First-ever Undisputed Champion. Three-time World Heavyweight Champion. Two-time WCW Champion. Nine-time Intercontinental Champion. Two-time... Uh, United States champion, one-time European champion, one-time hardcore champion, seven-time WWE tag team champion. He's the fourth Grand Slam champ. He's the ninth Triple Crown champion. The He's the one-time War Junior Heavyweight champ, the one-time War International champ, and one-time WWA tag champ with a total of 41 titles in his entire career, seven of those being heavyweight championships, and to this day holds the record for nine, and if you include New Japan Pro Wrestling, 10 intercontinental championships. Chris Jericho is a legend, whether he's an AEW, WWE, whatever he plans to do, Chris Jericho is going to be the best at it, whether he's podcasting, hosting, whatever it is. Or being the GOAT. I look forward to the next decade of Jericho. Maybe at his 40th, we'll have another recap, revisit. And hopefully in another 10 years, we're still celebrating the long career of Chris Jericho. Do you have any, like, last things uh, you want to say about Chris Jericho, AEW, anything in particular? I just want to say, once you see this this whole episode in its entirety, that you will never, ever be the same again. Again. But we can do this all day. Uh, focus, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, username is taken, try another. You can try. You can look me up on my OnlyFans, Kayfabe Focus, where I just post fans. You know, just fans. <laughs> he only posts fans That's on OnlyFans. 
You can find me at Kfabe underscore AJ on Instagram. You can find us at Kfabe Avenue at the Facebook group. Join us, you know, like, share your thoughts, give us your comments, your feedback. Um, like, share, subscribe our YouTube channel at Kfabe Avenue. Follow the Twitter at Kfabe Ave. And, uh, you know, like we said, tune in. Like, share, subscribe. If you like the podcast, if you enjoy our show, donate. please donate on the Anchor page. Um, we need the money. <laughs> we could use the money, but we will also try to contribute more shows, we'll give you more content. Uh, once again, this was Kayfabe Focus. I'm Kayfabe AJ. This was Kayfabe Avenue. This was the spotlight of Jericho. Chris Jericho. Pop the bubbly. Pop the bubbly. And take us home. If you smell what? What Y two J? He's cooking.